bridge and yabba dabba ding dong with myself and the warbler. Here I am recording this on the 31st of December and usually that would bring uh, kind of a an idea that I am alone, I have nothing to do but I think like much of the world on the 31st of December we have nothing to do. Not necessarily alone, we have nothing else to do because well we we shouldn't really be at any parties and if it's a party it's a party for the house you're in and only the people that are in that house but anyway here we are and by the time this will be uploaded it'll probably be into 2021 so bring that year on um let's see what that brings generally but yeah let's get into blood sugar sex magic this is the fifth album this is the big one this really is the big album i mean look I think really there's two albums that are considered generally the big albums by this band. This is one of them. The other one is Californication. Um, but this is really the one that, this is the first, and it's really the one that a lot of people will stand by. And it kind of for a lot of people put the band on the map for, I think for a lot of fans it's had cemented their, their status as their go-to band but um yeah this is i'm very excited to talk with this i'm very excited to listen to it i haven't listened to it yet and you know what it's kind of apt because this is a this is an album that i got after or after californication and um i got it around christmas time as well um what year was that that was uh it was 1999 so i i kind of i pretty much got look you're going to get an idea i got this album off the back of the first album i heard it from the band which was californication and then this was the next album which makes a lot of sense um yeah so look i'm just gonna get straight into it i'm gonna try and keep this episode relatively lean so i'm not i'm not waffling on boring you um so let's see Let's just get into the artwork straight away. The more I see, the more I see, the more I see. I was looking at this artwork and I couldn't help but compare it to Mother's Milk because they have a similar um, colour palette. Um, although it's a different um, art director's or creative vision, I feel like there was some. Um, maybe subconsciously, but I feel like there was some, after Mother's Milk had enjoyed some success, I feel like, um, I feel like this kind of copies over from Mother's Milk in many ways. And even like, when you think about, there's a, is there a rose on the, on the boob of uh, the Lady of Mother's Milk, there's also roses on the cover of this album. So I think there is some sort of, um, a carrying over of the, the visual DNA there. Um, and as I said in the in the color palette, but as regards, I didn't realize actually about this album about the artwork. There's two people involved really in. I mean, aside from whoever else, um, in terms of the band maybe having a say as well, and I'm sure they did have a say. But in terms of the artwork, I know for the um, the drawing for the the actual um tattoo artwork on the front. I know that there's a thing a Dutch artist called Hanky Panky. Um he created that and he does a lot of he's a tattoo artist anyway. 
And as regards the the general artwork within the album, which is a lot of photography of the band, um, all that was done by Gus Van Sant, uh, who was a went on to become a famous movie director. I'm trying to think. I know he directed um, Goodwill Hunting is probably his most famous movie. I know he did the Under the Bridge video as well, um, for the band. Um, right now it escapes me any other movies I can think of off the top of my head that he did. Anyway, Goodwill Hunting is probably uh, his go-to movie. Um, his most famous, his most critically acclaimed. I yeah, this this artwork is quite iconic. I think it was um again like as I said with Mother's Melting. I think it was like there was something similar, but they also went with something stronger. It's a it's a very iconic album cover. I can't really say anything bad about the album cover. Um. It's um, it's cool. It's it's not necessarily my favorite album cover, but um, but it's definitely, it's definitely. Really, um, yeah. I, I what can you when something's iconic? What else can you say really? Um, and yeah, that is the album artwork. That's really all I have to say about it. Um, I do like how the the font, kind of goes around in um. You know clockwise direction you know with the red hot chili peppers blood sugar sex magic yeah i'm just i'm just filling in there at, at this particular bit um oh yeah i will say um there's also an image on the back of this um cd sleeve where i used to look at it, i was like apparently it's on the very back of this actual album sleeve and it's um the band is kind of a red lit photo and there's like this kind of a, I I used to think was a like a fingerprint at first that's over um, Anthony's head, but it turns out that what he said was a ghost, and he wants to keep the image in or some sort of a an or you know an oral kind of thing. I don't know, but um, so yeah, they kept that photo in. As for the album artwork throughout, it's consistent with having. There's lots of images with the band with tattoos, which is quite in line with the album cover. Um, I think that's all I really have to say about the album artwork. I think I've said enough about it. Now, on to my any anecdotes. Or, uh, there's no anecdotes. There's nothing like the Mother's Milk, I can say for sure. Um, I'll be honest, when I got this back in, I'd say, 99, there was a song I'd heard before. Um called Soul to Squeeze, which I had hoped was in this album. And I think what happened with me, I got quite distracted because that song wasn't on the album. When I eventually got the album as a as a gift. And keep in mind I didn't I um I didn't uh know what the track listing was. I knew a couple of songs that were on the album, but I was just like, oh Soul to Squeeze is not on the album. And I think that song comes out a certain comes out I think it comes out after this album, and I think was was it released for the movie Coneheads with Dan Aykroyd, but um, anyway, but I quite that's a particularly uh it's a particular favorite of mine, um, and that sort of distracts me. It's it's weird when you're expecting a certain song on something, and then you're like, oh, it's not on it, and it shouldn't detract from the album, but kind of did for me at the time, and I will say also. 
that when I'd heard Sonny's songs, I'd heard Sonny's songs beforehand, before the album as a whole, and I really enjoyed them. But the live renditions I had heard, again, this was on a TV show thing I, I watched, I think it was uh, recorded in Rotterdam. Um, the songs are good here, they're well produced, but I think they just really had a, a bounce them on the live thing that I had to sort of, because uh, I watched that tape over and over again. And so those versions of the songs were kind of etched into my brain. So when I eventually heard some of these songs, I kind of like songs like If You Had To Ask, I kind of felt like the studio, the, that live rendition I heard was just so much better than the studio version. But anyway, enough time has passed where I can come back to this and listen to it. I think that on its own merits, which all makes it sound like I have an issue with this album. I don't actually. I It's just... Do I have any particular issues? What are my memories of this album? Um, I always felt this album was a bit long. Um, and it doesn't surprise me that when I was looking up some stuff prior to doing this uh, recording, that they initially had it, you know, intended to make this a double album. They had about 24 to 25 songs recorded. And they cut it down to 17. And even 17 for me is a bit of a stretch. And when I look at the vinyl, um, at the vinyl breakdown of the album, they actually had, there was two LPs, uh, now and then on cassette and on CD, uh, like, well, obviously on CD, it's just the CD, but like, it wasn't made as a double album, like, in the end. Um, so I learned that just very recently. Um, and, oh yeah, this is the first, this is the first time, this is the band's fifth album. It's the first time that it's the same lineup from this album and Mother's Milk. So, you know, maybe no coincidence. Eventually, they had, there was no lineup changes and there was production change. Rick Rubin came on board and he's been on board. He stays on board with Ben for a long time after this. Um, he, became, he becomes their kind of a mainstay producer. And, oh yeah, um, Brandon O'Brien engineered this, but anyway, I don't, I'm not going to get into that, but, yeah, this is kind of like, some things are really quite, um, I would say some things are solidified from this album onwards. I mean, again, same lineup as the Mother's Milk lineup, um, sort of changes a bit later on in the next album, but right now, they have the same lineup. And you know what? Maybe, maybe that's what the band needed as well. Just to hunker down and be like, none of us are going anywhere. This, this is the lineup, and let's go out and make another album. Us four guys, we're the same guys. Let's make another album. And what we did the last time, let's learn from that. And you know, there's no new introductions here. Okay, producers out there, but this is this unit, so. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't think there's any coincidence there that it ends up being one of the band's strongest efforts, or, you know, as I said, critically, commercially, um, their strongest efforts. Um, as how I, as to how I feel about the, the album, apart from it being a bit long, I've never, um, I don't want to say I never, I've never gelled with this album, but I think when, I have to get into this contextually, when I got into the band, I was sort of, 
and you know, I think I'll dip into this now and again, but when I got into this uh, band, it was right after Californication came out. And I think that the sound from that album had kind of lent him to kind of soften some of that funk element, uh, which I don't have a problem with now. But at the time, I probably was a bit like, yeah, I, I, I think that the funk element is okay, but I like it when they kind of hunker down and just make solid rock songs. And now I'd be a bit more open to whatever, um, as I've gotten a bit older. But um, I think while I liked some songs of Blood Sugar Sex Magic, it felt like it was, you know, I felt like at the time the Californication sound was a little bit better than this sound. Um, but what what did I know then? Um, I yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to listening to this because. I would say up till Californication, I hadn't listened to Mother's Milk in ages. I hadn't listened to this album. I haven't listened to One Hot Minute in ages. And um, yeah, so let's um, let's just get into the album. Uh, beginning with side A, which is uh, track one, The Power of Equality, right up to Give It Away, track nine. So that's going to be side A, and then side B will be starting with... Um, Track 10, Blood, Blood Sugar, Sex Magic, and ending with track 17, They're Red Hot. So yeah, let's get into side A. Okay, so let's get into the power of equality. Um, yeah, it's it's a song that just steamrolls along. It um, it's a great opener. There's always a bit when I put on this album and this song comes on where there's a sort of I this wasn't a headphones listen so there's a kind of quiet intro bit and then it blasts in after. Uh, Anthony does his bing bada bada bing bada bing bada bada bing bada bada bing. I'm not gonna keep doing it, don't worry. Um, and then this, the song just trucks ahead. Um, it's basically about quality. I I don't know. There's no, I can't um go around that and say well it's it's also about this other thing. It's about equality and um yeah. I mean, I am gonna get into some things regarding this whole side a, at least my my uh renewed or uh, revisited experience on this uh, side that will uh, tell a tale on all these songs but I'm going to put that aside and just focus on each song but I, anyway it's going to be kind of hard to ignore but I'll, I'll ignore for now what my um what I have to say I'll leave it till the end because it, it refers to more songs on this album um or at least on this side um but yeah, back to the, the power of equality, and um, yeah, it's um, it's a fine song. It's um, I never feel like there's so much like it's so wordy, and I, I think a lot of this album and a lot of the songs around this time are so wordy, and it was the same with Mother's Milk. That's kind of like okay, it's just like they all fit in. I guess they have to fit in. Um, it's a bit like um, an underground station 
transport station or it's just people full you know on the metro or the tube or whatever it is a subway you name it and the 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 words are just they're just people and it's just rush hour this is this is just a rush hour song that's just the way i'm going to put it um yeah it flows right into if you have to ask which uh, a great second great second song um really like this song it's it's a bit more well to say it's a bit more funky i mean the power of equality was quite funky but this one when i think of funk and i you know in general funk style and this is my take on it you might have a different take but i think i always think funk could sometimes even though there's fast funk songs i always feel like funk is something that's just it's just chilled out a bit hence the chilies um but yeah, um, I didn't realize actually until looking at the lyrics that uh, Flea is referred to in here. So there's kind of, um, you know, to the funky ass Flea base. Anyway, there's, you know, the band are still in their kind of uh, their moments of referring to themselves. Um, yeah. And um, this song isn't such a <laughs> rush hour song. But um, it still has a good a lot of things going on. Um, what is this song really about? I mean, I don't. I never. This was never a song I really read into too much. And to be honest with you, I think a lot of Red Hot Chili Pepper songs are songs that you enjoy. Necessarily, not necessarily for um lyrical content. I mean, unless you're learning the words to sing along to a show or karaoke i guess i don't know if this would be a karaoke song but um you know i feel like it's an, it's an experience it's a general mood it's not kind of like what does this mean what, what are they talking about uh, this is just a vibe song as well and a lot of songs with album that's not a bad thing but they're vibe songs um however i'm going to flip that on the side when i talk about breaking the girl uh track three i feel like breaking the girl it's probably my um it's probably my favorite it certainly was one of those songs before i came back to this album i was like i really love that song and it might be my favorite song on the album um like i'll be like i knew some of the songs draft i was like that's that song you know the title was like yeah yeah i, I know the song and i know the song but some other songs was like you know songs like well you know like the righteous and the wicked you know, even now, I'm kind of like, oh, how does that go again? Well, the first three songs, and certainly Breaking the Girl, it's just one of the songs that I love. Um, I love that particular song. It's probably my favourite song on the album, as I've said. Um, But I do feel like, lyrically, there's a bit more going on in this. And even the title, Breaking the Girl, I never, like, when I heard the song at the time, and maybe I was, like, aware of the band's kind of history of writing songs that are kind of, explicit sexually and and the like like i never felt like this was that kind of a song um i mean uh, melodically the song is kind of um what would i say it's it's certainly it's certainly a break from the last two like it's not so funky and it's probably certainly on this side it's my favorite produced song of the, the songs on this on this particular I keep saying side A but I'm I might as well be honest like because on the vinyl thing like I think this thing's broken up as I said into four 
four sides. But anyway, we're just going to keep on side A and side B. But um, I I feel like this song, um, it's a sweet song. I think that's what I would say. And maybe had I not heard this song, um, I was just building up to this podcast and going through each of the other albums and I saw a song called Breaking Girl. I might be like, oh, here we go. But it's, um, you know, I feel like it's a song um, It's just a sweet song. Um, I I think it's a sweet song. Somebody could end up um, tweeting me or whatever and saying, "No, this song is totally not a sweet song." But I, like, I guess the the you know, there's a really nice hook there. There's so much. There's a you know, so many flavors of instrumentation going on with this song as well. And for me, it's a standout, a song on this album and a standout song of theirs, generally. Um. And I feel like, I feel like breaking the girl is kind of like breaking her character in a way, maybe, you know, it's a relationship kind of issue more so like you're kind of, um, the person who's breaking the girl in this question, they're just, um, so much heart is going on there that it's, it's, it's literally just kind of like having a, a well an, a mental impact on them so on the girl anyway that's a great song okay after breaking the girl we get into funky monks which is <laughs> given by that title alone it's a bit more funky song but it's um it's a low down and dirty funky song but you know it's it's relatively restrained it's down and dirty but down and dirty in the same way instead of somebody swearing in a movie the cuss to just say you know ah. Oh, you cussed, you know, uh, to say something like freedom or, you know, and so it's like, you cuss at me, you know, you cuss me, you damn ape. That's the way they go on in those old movies where they don't curse. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I mean, this, this song's kind of, yeah, in that way, I mean, it's sort of, generally dirty but there's nothing i would say that's like oh they're just saying that you know there's no monks in the band and no saints in this land um i suppose my my particular you know the song is more reliant on its uh music than i would say on lyrics but um it's okay it's probably the weakest song so far for me on the album it's it's okay but i will say i like there's a line on here that goes um it's probably the one time where anthony sounds like uh someone from the south it's like you know and it was every man has certain needs talking about them dirty deeds i don't do just this so i'm gonna try and do it a bit so it's like every man has certain needs talking about them dirty deeds anyway <laughs> i'm going a bit more sooner than he did but you get the gist and is that a, i'm gonna say it's an acdc reference although Dirty D's pretty good, but long before ACDC. Um, and then Suck My Kiss continues on that sort of a, those dirty songs, those dirty, those rude songs. Um, but uh, this song is, I like this one quite a bit more than Funky Monks. Um, what can I really say about it? Um, 
yeah, your mouth was all that bit always in the sound of the chorus. Your mouth was made to suck my kiss. Where the vocals are kind of isolated. Um, that was always a really class, a great moment in that song. But you know, it always felt like he was going to say like suck my d. It's just the way he says it. You're just like you feel like it's like no. You know, it's it's there without being said, but. I just want to recognize it there. Um, and there is even a bit in one of the courses where it's like K-I-S-S-I-N-G, Chicka, Chicka D, do me like a banshee. So he, he like, he spells out, I'm not spelling that like, you know, you know, but that's how it is in the, the lyric, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. And I don't know what way a banshee does it, but, you know, great. Um, and then, you know, we get on to I kind of lied, which kind of feels like it's it's the second song in the album. I would say it's a sweet song, but it's, you know, first we had what I would say, I would consider track three to be quite a sweet song, and then we have track six. That's kind of like, okay, but, you know, we're sensitive guys too. You know, we we we, we want we want to be fucked, but we also, we also have hearts. Um, and I think this... Uh, this song really about I always like when I when I first heard the song I always felt like it was about telling somebody how you feel, and then you know maybe those feelings not being reciprocated, but um maybe that's what the song is about. But it's a it's just it's a really um I wouldn't put it up quite as much as I you know as strong as breaking the guard, but um. It's a, it's um. Well, even the fact that they they say in the lyrics are a soulful song. Um, that's actually in the lyrics. Um. Yeah, I think it's just it's a song about unrequited love. That's well, that's the way I I feel. But it's it's a sweet song. There is a bit more funk in this song, at the start, and then it goes in you know into um. You know, an acoustic. Um, course, um, and some nice little licks there with John. And I must say, I haven't really mentioned actually, no, just on this song, there's also a couple of bits in here where he's playing, and I can see how I can see how this album and say, or at least this song, for example, with some of the songs in California Cage, there's a similar way to you know the way he's done licks, it's just like. I won't get into Californication now, but I can see sort of there's kind of a aside from being all the same band members and same producer generally, it feels like a song like this shares very similar DNA to some of the more mellow tracks on Californication. Okay, so now we're on to track seven, Mellowship Slinky in B major. Um I never remember this song and probably the title has something to do with that. It's an unusual title but I can never remember the song. There's a in the chorus um, it should have really this song should have been called Good God because there's a lot of references to Good God to do to do do to do Good God to do 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 to do um so yeah that would have been a better title uh, as far as I'm concerned. It it really you know that which is kind of I shouldn't say that's the only thing I remember about this song because once I hear it, I'm like, ah, yeah, but you know, it's just it has a really snarling opening riff. It, it bookends actually with that riff, and that's that 
riff is really cool. The rest of the song is kind of rinky dinky kind of. That's that's how I feel when I listen to the song. It's rinky dinky and it's um, it's well composed but forgettable enough. And then following on from that, Righteous and the Wicked, I feel kind of not exactly the same way. Um, I feel just actually. I mean, I pair those two songs together because I kind of feel like they're both kind of. I never really am like, oh, those songs, they're not, they're not catchy really in any way. They're competent but not catchy. Um, but there is a nice um chord progression in this after the course, and after both courses and um. Well, there's actually is there three courses? Yeah, just three, but. It stood out to me that there's after two courses there's a nice kind of a chord progression, and during maybe the final course there's a kind of um guitar breakdown. That's fine. And then as for track nine, give it away. I mean, what what can I say that can possibly add to give it away? Is it the band's most favorite song? Most favorite, most famous song even. Um, is it their most favorite song? I don't know. Um. But I would say that it's probably their most famous song, but I feel like certainly in, you know, and I let's just get this straight, in terms of general um, radio play in Ireland, I mean, rock music is in, in it. Like, I mean, if you're going for daytime radio, you're not going to hear much um, decent rock music, but... um. I don't think Give It Away would be the song that would play during daytime, which is not to say it's uh, really explicit. I think it might come across um, slightly misogynistic, but um, and actually I think songs that are more likely to be played during daytime radio are probably something like Can't Stop or Californication, the song. Um, the only thing I would say about Give It Away, um, two things. I like the song enough i'm not it's a, it's a good like look it's a, it's a good song and it's kind of um it's a i guess is it a staple song in, in the band set probably um it probably it like i don't know if the band you know generally have done some bands like or artists very up their set lists and others kind of have you know Let's call it the ACDC style. We're always going to end with for those about to rock. Um, I would say if the band were, if the Red Hot Chili Peppers or, you know, if they were to end with a song, it might be this song. But I could be mistaken. Uh, I can't even remember when I saw them live at one time. I don't think they, I don't even think this, I think this was, was in their main set, actually. I think the end was under the bridge. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, I like the song enough. The only other thing that ever struck me with this song, and it's probably nothing new, but the end riff reminds me of a Black Sabbath's Sweet Leaf. So, and I always was like, oh, there's the Black Sabbath bit. I never minded that, but it always reminded me of that. So yeah, there's side A in a nutshell. Um, I'm going to address two things uh, that are, one is kind of like the elephant in the room, I feel, and the other is the opposite of the elephant in the room. It's... Uh, it's the butterfly in the room. Uh, we'll go with the butterfly in the room first. I really like, when I listen to this on digital, or not digital, but physical media, I really like that the songs, just one goes into the, the next. It almost feels like, at least the way it was 
put together, engineered, produced, however you want to put it, that there's hardly, um, you know, there's sometimes, certainly on CD or vinyl, there's like maybe a, a second of, um, second or two, where it's just like, ah, there's that quite, there's just that bit of no sound. But with this, it just goes into, each track kind of flows into text, and that's the way it's put together. It's not uncommon, but I'm always reminded of it, reminded of it with this album. And, um, yeah, and what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, the elephant. In, so I like that. But the elephant in the room. Um, I've, and I know I mentioned about having watched a live performance of the, the band during the Californication era. And that was a small kind of a, that felt like an indoor kind of a, well, it was an indoor gig, but it felt like a small kind of club gig. Um, and I know later on they went to do big stadium gigs, outdoor gigs, arenas, you name it. But I think that whether that had an effect on how I interpreted, say, this album, um, or how I felt about this album, I don't know. Because I, I bought Californication on the back of uh, watching that live performance, that club performance in Rotterdam. But I always felt like with this album, when I listened to it, Again, I don't know if it's the live thing I had before, but I always felt like the production kind of hampered this album a little bit. Um, which is not to say I actually it's a double edged sword because I think obviously it's production and you know Rick Rubin did wonders for the band. At least it sounds like that. I can't say he definitely did. Of what I know about Rick Rubin, he always seems to be kind of um, almost like a laissez faire producer, kind of like um, yeah. I'll let you know when it's when it's good. He kind of figure it out um and i'll just sit back if i don't if i don't think it's good i'll tell you i don't think it's good but keep like i think some some artists have kind of expressed dismay with rick rubin because they kind of have come in with half formed ideas and he's like no come back to me with a full song and i mean that could be a lot of producers but i think some people expect rick rubin to make um miracles um or maybe he's not hands-on, I guess, um, as much as some artists would like. I'm not sure if he was hands-on with the band at this particular time. They were like, hey, hands off. But um, I kind of feel, and I don't know, like, I've listened to enough music, and I don't think it's a compression issue, but I feel like there's not enough room to breathe on some of these songs. The songs... Like, I've already said, there's a couple of songs I don't like here. But the songs I do like, aside from Breaking the Girl, which actually I think the production of that is brilliant as well. While I wouldn't say that the other songs have subpar production, the ones, uh, as as in the ones I do like, even those I don't like, they have good production. But I feel like songs like The Power of Equality suck my kiss to, to a degree. They just feel... I don't know, like there's not enough, it just feels like they're a bit airtight, that would be the expression I would use, just the production doesn't exactly beg me to come back and listen to this album all the time, which is really unusual because I know there's good songs on this album, but it's that thing where I just feel like My my general feeling before, and I hadn't really noticed it before until I really cross examined it this time. And this is only on side A. 
but I feel like this is going to be like I don't think the production is going to necessarily be any different from the second side so I'm going to talk about it here but it doesn't beg me to come back to listen to the album and I think that's been my my some my issue sometimes with this album that's kind of there's just I'm just left with um a slight funny aftertaste but that's that's a general thing on the production that's you know I've already kind of remarked on how I feel about each of these songs so far but um look let's see how the rest of this goes so we're going to go into side B now start with blood checker sex magic and then ending with the red hot so let's go for it <laughs> Okay, the title song, Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Um, I also felt like this song was a, it was a big deal at the time, maybe because it was the title track, but then it didn't seem like a big deal. I don't know, it's hard to explain it. It feels like a song that should be played more, or at least on the radio. Well, I just said how the radio just plays, uh, I guess, some more softer kind of Chili Pepper songs. But anyway... I really like this song. It's um, it kind of has that bravado that, say, what was that? I can't even remember that song. That uh, Slinky and B Major Fellowship, whatever that title is, but rather than just an open riff, it just has this that that song kind of bookended with this kind of badass riff. But this song is kind of badass throughout the whole way, and um, but it's a sort of a stomping song. And uh, I really like it. It's um, I feel, I almost feel like it's uh, it's underrated. Would I be wrong in saying that? I don't know. Um, following on from that, under the bridge. I mean, look, a bit like give it away. What can I say about under the bridge? It's a really good song. Um, it's a really um, I guess there's a lot of weight to the song. Um. And for a long time, it was kind of, it was a ghostly song for me for a while, actually. Uh, just, not that I had any drug issues, um, but just, it just seemed like there was a, some of the music I was listening at the time had a lot of emotional resonance. Um, and this song helped fill in that kind of niche as well of songs that were very, I would say, rocking but also earnest in a certain way um yeah and then uh, naked in the rain i this you know songs like this are one of the reasons reasons i'm glad that i'm revisiting albums i've heard before because the highlight songs that i hadn't really maybe i'd skipped or hadn't really become super aware of and i'd already been sort of familiar with the song but really clicked with me when i listened to it earlier and um it's just a mid-tempo rocker and that sounds like diamond with faint praise it's just a mid-tempo rocker but it's it's just it's just a really good song it's just what i it's just one of those songs that it just feels like a, a gem on the album it's not necessarily certainly not the strongest song on the album but it's not dirt and that doesn't mean to say it's somewhere in the middle I actually think 
it's quite a good song and um anthony sings great on this the band are tight and you know the production doesn't bother me on this one um and for what it's worth actually in the last two songs there as well under the bridge and um the title track um the production is generally fine but uh yeah i am um, i think naked rain is a bit of a cracker okay apache rose peacock i don't really have much to say about this song it kind of is the opposite of naked rain for me in that whereas naked in the rain is like a gem i was like oh that's it's a hidden gem this is just like whatever the opposite of a gem is it's hidden i was like oh yeah and it's still kind of hidden um but not necessarily for any of the right reasons it's just kind of like or you know what i mean it's just kind of it's there but i'm kind of like and it's it's it reminds me of a couple of the songs i mentioned earlier like the righteous and the wicked and that B major Fellowship of the Ring song. Um I just instantly forget it. Um so I'm gonna go on to the next song, the Greeting song. Um I think I'm would I be right to say the song gets a lot of flack. Um it seems like it's kinda of like one of those songs on the album that fans and maybe the band are a bit like just kind of to do with dirty. They're kinda of like, Ugh. I really like the song. I think it's a great song. I think this song is just so good. Um, that's that course is just something else. Um, the band are on fire here. Um, maybe maybe the band are okay about it. Maybe it's just um, maybe fans are not. But I I really like this song. I think this song paired with the the next song, my lovely man. They just they just really work together, and they just I kind of wish. You know, there's not that many songs left for me to talk about on this album, but I kind of wish it had that consistency where I'm just like really enthusiastic about this album. Uh, which not to say I'm not going to come out and say this is a bad album. I don't think it's a bad album generally, but I, for me, there's a few too many blips. But anyway, but yeah, the greeting song and my lovely man just um, they're just so. They're just so funkadelic, man. But um, yeah, I don't know. But just they're just great songs, and I kind of feel like if if it just maintained that consistency, I mean, some of that has to do with the track list. There's seventeen songs. I still have another couple of songs to talk about. Sir, psycho sexy. Well, it's a song that I would say like it's kind of a gets into a groove, but it is lyrically quite a rush hour song um it just kind of goes on a bit i mean what well, the song's eight minutes long so yeah it does go on a bit but i will say i like uh, a little over the halfway mark where it kind of just goes into this sort of slow jam no lyrics and it's just a slow jam and you know maybe maybe i would have preferred if it was just that latter not exactly half but that latter part of the song because the first part it kind of has the bombast of um blood stripper sex magic but um it plods plods a good bit um but i do like that 
that jam that kind of it comes into. Um, and then as for the Red Hot, it's um it's a Robert Johnson song. So I I like that they've uh, still incorporated covers in this uh, part of their career. They still kind of went up on did covers for I think each album so far has had a cover, right? At least one. And um, yeah, like. I don't know anything about the original song. Um, I don't know, like, as regards to the song, and even with Sir Psycho Sexy, I mean, at least the Red Hot is fairly, it's fairly, you know, it's um, it's quirky, but it's fairly quick. So I don't mind that. But I kind of feel like those last two songs end up making the album finish at a rather weak point, I would say. And, um, but you know what, if I had to pick one over the other, I'd probably pick the Red Hot, because well, I'm not going to, well, I, I don't know. Um, they brought a bit potato, potato. Um, but yeah, I think the album kind of ends kind of rather damply, is damply a word? I don't know, but it, it just kind of. It just, I mean, the last song is fine, but it's just, I think with this album, I find that, what, there's 17 songs in it. I think there's potentially, I actually say Keep Red Hot In, or The Red Hot, but um, I think, aside from that song, and that's by no means a great song, I think it's okay as a little competent filler. But I think there's 11 other really good tracks on this album. Re good to really good to great. But there's about, yeah, there's five songs there that could be completely shelved. I don't necessarily think they're awful songs. They're just not memorable. And that's, yeah, that's kind of how I feel about the album. I think, I think I like about 65 to 70% of it, maybe. Um, I like to, but I like it overall. I like the album, but there is some dips that just, while they're not terrible, they're just they make the album a slog to listen to, and um, that's kind of it reveals more to me now having listened to it again than did it a long time ago. I used to think maybe it was just the funk element that I wasn't into. I am into some of that funk stuff, but I just find there's. There's stuff where, yeah, there's dents that are put in the album that bring it down a bit. And while I didn't notice it so much on the second half of the album, I do feel some of the songs are hampered by that production I mentioned earlier. And, um, yeah, that, that pretty much brings me to the, the end of the, this episode. And, um... But yeah, like, what did you think of um, the album? I mean, you know, do you want to tweet? Send me um, an Instagram thing. Um, both those hands are over the bridge and Y triple D. Um, or send me an email at andywarbler.gmail.com. Maybe you really love the album. And maybe I'm just out, you know, to pasture on this. I don't... Look, everybody has their opinions on these things. I think with this particular album, you know, 
And I always look forward to listening to these albums and revisiting them, especially when I haven't listened in a while. And with this one, I was, you know, I think there's a lot of expectation with this particular album that I was like, oh, I'm going to really, really love it now. And incidentally, this came out the same day as uh, Nirvana's Nevermind. And that's an album that at the time I, I was a bit cold on um, when I heard it. But over time, I've grown to appreciate more and more and more. Um, and I think like these, you know, both this album and say Nevermind are you know, pretty seminal, I would say, 90s albums. But I do think this album is quite busy where it shouldn't be. Um, I wish it was a, an 11 track album and you know I don't necessarily think I would would I love it maybe I would it just feels like that's the thing it feels like just too many tracks that cloud my judgment on it and it's just like Ugh, you know and I could I could you know that that production issue I have I could let that I could put that aside but anyway those are my thoughts and yeah Hope you've enjoyed the episode and at this stage we are into 2021 so happy new year and um i will have the next episode up hopefully soon i always say it'll be within two weeks and then it doesn't end up being two weeks sometimes it's three weeks sometimes it's four weeks but you know what it was christmas there and as much as we weren't all that busy people around the world that is i don't mean we as a whoever unit but you know, Christmas finds a way of interrupting everything regardless of, even regardless of coronavirus and whatever else is going on in the world. But um, I'm really looking forward to listening to the next one, the next album. Um, but yeah, until then, stay tuned and be safe. Oh.